Welcome to I Needed That Podcast. I'm Matthew Blades. And I'm Chris Powell. Let's let that beat drop for a minute, then I got a funny story. Um, we were literally getting ready to start doing this podcast, and uh, you had to do some quick event first for Move One Million, which we're yes. going to explain a little bit later on in the show. But this is the funniest thing in the world, because you, you take these people through all the, all the movements, and then all of the comments are flying afterwards. And what was the last comment that that woman hit us with? <laughs> she says, I needed that. I mean, how perfect is that? That's what this is all about. And then I was like, okay, let's go record the podcast now. Yes. The universe is speaking to us. So on today's <laughs> podcast, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to bring in your buddy, Matt Doxy to talk about, because he's the guy that's responsible for all your shakes and that stuff, right? Oh, yeah. This, this guy, he's a true wizard when it comes to flavors. Yeah. I can't wait for this conversation because one of the things we're going to learn is the flavor profile of root beer, which is one of my favorite beverages on planet Earth. So I'm excited about that. We're going to have some dumb debates. But you also t- I want to talk about that mindset for the gym. Yeah, well, so today I, I want to give everyone a tool that we're going to leave this podcast today. Understanding the mind-muscle connection even more. It's, I promise you guys, it's going to take your workouts to the next level. We're going to talk about tempo. And it doesn't matter if you are a beginner, if you've never worked out before, or if you're an elite athlete, this is some really applicable stuff that you can apply today that it's going to improve your workouts forevermore. All right. Well, let's jump right in. I know Matt's got a busy schedule today. Uh, how did you guys come to be? How did you meet? Tell me a little bit about him before we ask our first question here. So when we decided to expand into supplements, we I knew we had to do this right. And so Matt, like I said, this guy's a wizard. He's a true genius when it comes to flavors. And he understands the fact that like, you can have a solid formula with your proteins and your carbs and your fats and your fiber and your, you know, your sodium and, and your vitamins and your minerals. That's nice. That's nice. There's, that's out there all over the place. But if your product doesn't taste good, mm. you're not going to change anyone's behavior because a good if point. we're trying to get the Frappuccino out of you know, Sally in Topeka, Kansas, we're trying to swap that Frappuccino for here's a, here's a mocha meal replacement shake. If it doesn't taste better than that Frappuccino. Sally's out. You, you, yeah. Sally's you out. I don't, and I don't, and can you blame her? <laughs> no. It's got to be, and it, but it's not just about what happens on the tongue. There's an experience behind this, and this is what Matt does so well. So it's it's about first of all what it looks like, then what it smells like, how it mixes, then the moment you bring it up to your lips, it's like okay, what's going to happen on the front of the tongue as it travels across the tongue, mouthfeel, viscosity. You swallow it, it hits that olfactory nerve from the back of the throat. It creates an entire experience that nobody knows better than this guy. So guys, anytime you consume something, it's not just, oh, you're eating food. You got sight taste, smell, sure. even sound involved. Like all, it's a, it is a orchestra of all the senses coming together. So all right. Matt, break this down for us. Like, tell us about what happens beginning to end when a user is about to consume a product. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, gone are the days of like, oh man, it's good for me. It's, good. it's like crap, you know? I mean, that was 10, 15 years ago. People just assumed like if something's good for me, it's going to taste bad and I'm just going to have to deal with it right you know there's been so many uh you know steps forward in flavor chemistry and and just you know ingredient quality and things like that i mean things that are historically bad tasting or historically you know tough to work with are easier now and now the precedent has been set that okay even if something's good for me it needs to taste out of this world or else i'm gonna go pick another brand and so you hit the nail on the head that 
Um, but yeah, as far as like the experience of flavor, flavor is very experiential uh, down to, to a lot of different aspects. And so, you know, you, first off, you bring up, you brought up, you know, color, how something looks. Um, you know, as part of um, part of the flavor lab experience, I got working in this flavor house. You know, there were times where we would screen flavors um, based under you know a red light or a blue light or something to where both samples look the exact same, and, and you know. It's, it just, it, you don't really think about how much color and appearance plays into uh, into how you perceive flavors. Right. And, you know, there's times where I'll, you know, we'll do tricks on exciting new flavors for like a pre-workout where we did one that was called, you know, it was called Razzle Dazzle, for example. It was really nondescriptive. It was purple, but it was a blue raspberry flavor. And people just, they just go nuts over it. They could never tell you it was blue raspberry. Wow. You know, you think that's a really basic flavor and somebody could just drink, but oh yeah, that's blue raspberry. Yeah. But this purple has a nondescript name. People just, the way that the, the psychology of your brain is as you perceive flavors um, really is just, it's just so interesting. So, so that uh, they went nuts happy about it or they went nuts not happy about it? No, they loved it. See, they loved it. They isn't loved that something? It. I didn't even tell you what it was. It's just like, oh man, this is, this is razzle dazzle. Your so shakes are literally the greatest shakes I've ever tasted <laughs> in my entire life. And I have tried a hundred protein shakes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll build on that. I mean, the formula is just great that, uh, that Chris developed and that was a formula. There was a chocolate and a vanilla flavor when they came to us. Um, and now we're up to, I think 17 or 18 total flavors. Uh, the chocolate and vanilla existed. So we had like the macronutrient profile that was set. Um, it's, it's just it's a great shake because it's going to give you a little bit of the fat to give you the creaminess. It's it's almost what people crave. It's just like the creaminess. Uh, you know, it's not just some super thin protein shake. So it's got the fat. It's got mm-hmm. fiber, hydrates. Um, so it's really – I always talk about how it's a blank canvas as far as the, the, the base ingredients go. Um, it's a blank canvas for flavoring. So, you know, with, with sucralosas are in our toolbox – really becomes a matter of layering and flavors at certain ratios and amounts that play really well with the base. Um, and then like for the boost shots, for example, which are the, um, you know, the, the everyday energy type uh, shots as well. Then we incorporate acids like citric acid, malic acid, tartaric acid, which exists naturally in fruits um, to the point where, you know, we've got the science down pretty well to, Hey, okay, it's going to be an orange flavor. Then we're going to use predominantly citric acid, which is what our brains associate um, you know, the taste of oranges and lemons and limes with. And so really it just becomes like a, just a game of putting all these pieces together to where, okay, this is going to be a blueberry cheesecake, uh, you know, meal replacement shake. I'm going to take this sip and it's literally going to taste like a liquid blueberry cheesecake. And fine. I bring that because it was really, that was one of the more, <laughs> more ever worked on because I, I have a few cheesecake flavors in my repertoire in our lab here. And, and I always joke that, the, they differ in levels of stinkiness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. People, when you think of like a New York cheesecake, you think of like a real, real stinky, you know, almost like a pungent uh, cheesecake versus some of these, the Costco cheesecake, for example. Which right, is very, it's like candy. Yeah, very vanilla, not a whole lot of ink to it. And so really, I mean, we've got the blueberry flavor. We nailed pretty quickly. It's a real uh, ripe, fresh, almost like an overly ripe blueberry, which is a perfect note that you want for a blueberry cheesecake. And then kind of, we just settled in on the amount of ink that we needed and wanted and to yeah. the point where, you know, we delivered a sample to, to the group, seven or eight of us, and man, we tasted it and it's, this is, this is blueberry cheesecake. I love yeah. this conversation, like by the way. 
Yeah. He, he nailed the blueberry cheesecake right off the bat, man. It was like the perfect amount of stinkiness. I, I do want to have a little bit of fun with Matthew while you're here, Matt. Um, and so we, we've actually had some amazing conversations as we were like coming up with different formula, like different flavors. And so, you know, like for root beer, for example, or for cola, what you don't realize is that those are combinations of different flavors. Like, so in, in the real world, right, root beer would be like a combination of sarsaparilla, sassafras, and you know, something else. Yeah. Um, and what? Peppermint. Peppermint. That's right. So, Peppermint, so, right. so Matt, really quick, how do you create that root beer flavor? The, and, and, and you actually, you, you gave, you told me, so check this out. How, how do you I love create this. Root, root beer? Root beer is my, and, my favorite flavor. And by the way, he can legitimately create a root beer and you would not know the difference. What are the, what are the flavors that you use to create root beer? Yeah, so I mean, you nailed it. I mean, root beers are not as complex as something like a cola, and we can get into that as well. But Let's, root beers are—they they, root beers mainly vary in the amount of sassafras and uh, peppermint. And people don't typically drink root beer and say, "Oh man, I I pick up on peppermint." But now that I've said that, they're going to drink it and be like, "Oh man, I can taste the peppermint." I can't wait to have oh, one tonight. Funniest thing, I went and I got Diet Barks and I got some Diet A and W, and all. Sh- sure enough, you taste it. You can taste the different levels of peppermint that they use in their formula. A and W has a lot more vanilla in it, and so they, they can vary in the amount of vanilla as well. And so Barks is more of like a harsh, yeah, um, root beer. My favorite kind of root beer. Uh, just yeah, real sharp. Uh, you know, sassafras, uh, a lot of peppermint, not a lot of vanilla notes. And right. More like a, a you know. A, Root beer float. It's got the vanilla flavors in the, the actual root beer itself. Bingo. Okay. How do you think they make cola? What, what are the different flavors that go into a cola? We're talking okay. RC Cola, Pepsi, Coca-Cola, Tab. What are the flavors that go into a so, cola? So, all right. So I'm thinking here, uh, it's got to be like some 7-Up ginger ale type of uh, like along those lines, right? That's got to be a piece of it. No, I have no idea. Come on. Right. Let's ask the guy Matt, who lifts rocks for a living. Matt blows mind. <laughs> Let's go. What are you doing? What all are you right. putting in? So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Most colas, and, and they all come down to different ratios. They're all <laughs> base ingredients, but it's basically, it's orange, it's lemon, it's lime, it's cinnamon, it's cloves. Holy and, moly. Isn't that something? That's incredible. Orange, lemon, lime, cinnamon, and cloves makes cola. Wow. Now, you're right. You said 7-Up. You said I did like, say seven. So up. there's 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 some or there's some lemon and lime in there, right? So orange, cinnamon, and cloves. Isn't that something? But you wanna... try to just cola. I would never say, hey, it's citrus notes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> totally. I say either. But it was interesting. One of the one of the exercises I did with a, a certified flavor chemist is all these, especially colas. They they, they basically come from essential oils, the flavors themselves, and yeah. so little dipsticks that that basically pick up some oil. So, he, we went and smelled five or six different essential oils separately, and then he had him put them in our hand together and kind of you know wave it on our face, and literally became Coke Zero. Cola. Oh and my this gosh, this has been see, an amazing conversation. I, I told you he's brilliant. Isn't it? You sit down with him and you just start spitting back and forth. And I literally every time I walk into the office, man, I'm just I'm a sponge, and I just want to soak up as he just starts talking, and I'm like, oh wow, I'm I listening. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't I know that. Talk- anything man so i we, never know where it's gonna go but yeah just, i didn't talk about you know flavors and you know food science and, and things like that and obviously i care about how products work but the more exciting part of of uh, you know product development and supplements is the way things taste i want to ask you as a as a guy who does this for a living what are your favorite flavors what do you find yourself really getting excited to taste 
man, there, there's some really cool ones we've done. And the weird, the hard part is the more weird you get and the more, uh, you know, beautiful you get as far as your flavors go, the less they sell. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. People need you know, the constant, the basics. A lot of what yeah. we do are fruit punches, blue raspberries. And I think most people wouldn't even say that they like fruit punch, but they're going to buy it because they know what fruit punch tastes like. And they're not going <laughs> to mm-hmm. be let down. And so they're not going to go buy something that's like apple plum because, man, I don't know if I like plums. And, right. you know, there's always a, especially if you're in a store and looking at a shelf, you're just going to talk yourself out of it. Like, if I'm going to spend $50 on this product, I'm not going to buy a flavor that might be off the wall. And, you know, I'm only going to drink one scoop out of 30 and not be happy. Can I ask one more semi-selfish question, which is um, I have a real aversion to fruit. It it produces like this stupid itch inside my body. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah, I had a naturopath kind of work with me on it, and we kind of figured it out. It's real high citrus fruits. They have something in it, I guess, that can do that to people at any rate. One of the frustrations that I have in the supplement world is everything is a fruit. Everything is blue raspberry, fruit punch, lemonade, lemon lime. And as somebody who's more of a vegetable consumer than a fruit consumer, I'd love to see things like cucumber or, you know, some of these other uh, flavors where they're not derived by fruit. Am I crazy for wanting that option? Is it just too hard to, to do? You're not crazy. What it comes down to is most of these products are going to be sour and astringent by nature. Yeah, okay. And, you know, if you're adding a cucumber flavor, and we do actually manufacture quite a few like cucumber lime flavors and you know cucumber melon uh you know in conjunction but obviously that's with the fruit but the hard part is if you're going to have something sour and it's only going to be a single layer vegetable flavor you know sour and vegetables don't typically go well together. <laughs> yeah. it sounds gross hey to, to to matt's credit though he's actually brought out a cucumber flavored product for us. We were, we were messing around with our, with our boost and our hydration. It was actually our hydration. Yeah. That's where I <laughs> yeah, would like it, which is a, it's a, it's an electrolyte mix. And so we were coming up with something that's different, but that was going to be really refreshing for a lot of people. And it was actually just a basic cucumber. It was like just a refreshing cucumber flavor and it was really good. He nailed it. Huh. It's good. Yeah. All right. All right hold it on. Like but, that, that product is pretty easy to work with a hydration drink. This is electrolytes. It really just tasted like, you know, the, the water down in the, the hotel lobby, which is exactly yeah. what we want. <laughs> That's exactly it. It's, it's the hotel lobby water. For. You yes. just want a little bit, like you don't want it to be water. You're looking for a little more than water, even if it was a mint. Yes. Right. Like yeah, I have a little, exactly. I have a little CBD tincture that I put in my coffee every morning. It's just, it's a, it's a peppermint, but it just gives my flavor such an, my coffee such an interesting flavor that I love it. Yes. And it brings me to it even more. All right. You want to, you want to roll and have some fun with yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Matt. Here we go. I, I'm, I'm pulling up my I'm pulling up my playlist here. Now, I'm gonna play name that tune, bro. You said you know your 80s, and so I'm gonna challenge you here. Okay, buddy. Okay. Here we go. Here we All go. All right, put I'm it right up to the it. microphone. Yep, right He's right gotta right hear it. Mic. Here we go. Oh, come on. That's all I get. Stop. You gotta stop it. You gotta give it up too much. <laughs> what is it? Hungry like the wolf. Oh, yes. Yeah. You do. Okay. You know your 80s. <laughs> all right. Listen, Matt. Appreciate you. Thank you. I understand flavors on a whole new level right now, man. And that is that is because of you. So thank you very much. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks for having me. Thank right. you so much, buddy. Hey, I'll see you in the office soon. All right. We'll go lift some rocks, Chris. Yeah, ah, let's do it. You. Appreciate do you, it. man. Thank you. See you, buddy. See you guys. That totally helps me understand almost all of the things I'm drinking and eating now. For sure. Everything is a combination wow. of different chemicals to create this flavor experience. You know, and then and it all starts with what it looks like. 
and then you bring it up because what happens you see something you know it's, it's really interesting in fact he's actually made me a pink root beer before and it's interesting you see pink and but and he's like okay guess what this is oh mm. it's bubble gum it's strawberry it's whatever and then you taste it you're like wait 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 and and it because of the expectation so sight sets sets the expectation smell sets the other expectation and these are all the things that happen before you put a food in your mouth this this is for everything that we eat everything we eat we look at it first and it tells us based on our past experience what it is that we're about to have mm. and then you smell it and that smell also there, there's a lot of different things that comes to it like when when it comes to smell even based on our survival like you smell something and it smells kind of sharp or bitter it's like oh don't eat that but then you you smell it and it's like oh that's a blueberry cheesecake Oh, that's lemon meringue. Mm, that's banana cream pie. Oh, that's mint chocolate. And it's like, oh, and that smell is another thing. By the way, these these flavor, the flavor gurus or these wizards, they can make something smell like mint cookie and taste like strawberry. It's wild. It's but, really cool. Yes. And so it's all a combination of these different things to, that, that talks to all of our senses, right? And then, so there's sight, there's smell, there's taste, so, and then, and there's touch. Well, and there's texture, the way it kind of goes That's, down the back of the throat. There's touch, exactly. Yeah. And so, and, the, and, the, and there's two, th two different things. Number one is when you're going to, say, say you're going to create a, a powdered mix or something like that, it's got to be smooth because one is the biggest thing that people complain about when it comes to drinking like a shake. Oh, it's chalky. It was grainy. It was all these, no, if it's, if it blends really well and then you drink it and it's mouth, they call it mouthfeel, right? And then there's viscosity. So there's like, one is mouthfeel, which means it's really smooth. And then there's the viscosity of it, which is like the little bit of thickness that you get from having a little bit of fat in there. And again, all of this stuff is just, it's, it's constantly communicating with our brain and our brain's like, this is a good experience or this is not a good experience. And if you can, if you can master those things, sight, smell, and then how it tastes on the front of the tongue versus the back of the tongue. There's two different sweeteners that you can use, like artificial sweeteners, like sucralose is really good up front on the front of the tongue. And then like ACE-K, which is acesulfame potassium is great on the, it gives you that sweetness on the back of the tongue. When you swallow, it's that aftertaste. You go, mm, that was sweet. That's, that's going to be a sweetener on the back of the tongue. And then there's mouthfeel and then there's the smoothness and the viscosity. Then of course, it's how you feel for the next three hours after you eat it. Are you yeah. full? You know, does it make you full in the first five minutes? And then are you hungry an hour later, two hours later? How are your energy levels? So there's like, there's a lot that comes into the experience hmm. of, of the, the work that he does. So I want to ask you a question. It's, not, it's kind of a nice segue to our next pseudo topic, which is to choose your gut or to choose the numbers. Okay. Yeah, and let, yeah, me, yeah. let me set this up a little bit. You and I had a conversation a couple of months ago, and I think somebody in the room said something to the effect of like, should somebody follow their gut or should they play like the numbers? Should they just go on pure statistics? What's going to work for them? Uh, and the reason I felt like it was a good transition is because you could drink some of these. We all do drink and eat things in our life. And maybe our gut tells us, I don't think this is that good for you, mm -hmm. but you, you, you bypass that. Sure. And so when it comes to weight loss transformation should you follow your gut or should you play the numbers i <laughs> and there's not going to be a definitive answer for everybody but it, generally speaking exactly well, i i'm gonna say it here's the thing and this is like the worst answer in the world but it's i think it's true it depends yeah what is your what's your history what, what's your record how <laughs> so, are your guts yeah exactly because if your gut has led you in the wrong direction it might be time to stop listening to it might start take, <laughs> take, let's let's take a look at the statistics because here's the thing um at the end of the day we do need to say all right look we we do know without a shadow of a doubt science says 
in the, in, if you're just, and I'm only talking the pure physical aspect of weight loss, there's nothing emotional or mental here. You have to have, you have to be at a calorie deficit, period. End of story. That has to happen because I mean, that is the one of the, that's one of the main laws of thermodynamics. Energy cannot be created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. And so if we are at a calorie deficit, obviously then that stored body fat, that energy is going to be transferred into movement, heat, et cetera, oxygen as we you know expel it. Um, and so that has to happen. We have to create a calorie deficit. Um, uh, and a lot of times what happens is that when you, anytime you create a calorie deficit, depending on the degree of that calorie deficit, now our bodies, it's got these uh, built in multiple, I mean, hundreds of mechanisms that were built for survival. It's ingrained in our DNA. And so when you say I create a 100 calorie day deficit, or I create a thousand calorie day deficit, what happens is that if I can create that deficit over time, my body hormonally will then start to change and those hormones will then significantly affect my behavior. My hunger will go up. My cravings will go up. Mm. All these different things start to happen because my body goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. I want to go back to where I was, which is called homeostasis. It's all your body's, it's a constant battle to go back to where it, feels that it's happy places. It's set places. Now, can we adjust that set place? Yes, we can. And we should. we, We absolutely can and should, and we are in control of our physical body. We can change our physical body, but we have to have realistic expectations. And that's why people that create a massive deficit right off the bat, they're like, oh, I'm gonna go on a diet, slash it down to 1,200 calories for women, 1,500 calories for men. You know, you can grind that out. You can grit your teeth and grind. You are going to be hungry. You are going to experience cravings. Some people can, they can hammer that out for 90 days or so, but it's not a battle that you can, 99 out of hundred people can't win that battle in the yeah. long run. It takes a lot of willpower. Absolutely. Man. And then, then there's also the emotional and mental aspect of all of that. I'm just purely talking physical weight loss right now. And so it's like, okay, so if, when, when you're, if you're at a calorie deficit and by the way, if you say, say it's a hundred calorie deficit or 200 calorie deficit. Yeah, you might experience a little bit of hunger, but you can totally offset that with big volumized foods. Like that's why we're like, oh, load up a ton of cauliflower and broccoli and, and zucchini steamed it like in, into your meals and you can volumize it with fiber and you can be even more full. You can literally feel like you're eating 400 calories over if you're smart. It's a, it's a game of manipulation. Mm-hmm. So it's all about creating a deficit, but manipulating your body to think that it's not. And so it feels really, really full with lots of protein, fiber, and water, man. Those are the, those are the three. And then fats also help keep you feel really full, but they're also extremely dense in calories. And so it's easy to overeat them. Okay. So going back to, um, listening to your gut or the percentages when you're at a deficit. And if you're, if you're experiencing hunger and cravings, don't listen to your gut because yeah, <laughs> the body wants to do the simple thing. Yes. And, and, and appreciate and embrace the science behind it and, and appreciate your body for doing what it's supposed to be doing. There it's it like, is. Hey, you're at a deficit. Hold on, homie. You need to eat a little bit more. It's like, Hey, I appreciate you for telling me that. Thank you. I hear you. But Instead, I'm going to be smart and I'm going to go eat a really volumized meal that's high in protein, fiber, and water. And I'm going to make you think that I just ate a thousand calories, but I'm only going to get 350 in there. <laughs> you know, that's the secret. Like that's, and if we can do it's that. A great thing to say out loud. Absolutely. And if we can do that and then flavor that meal mm. with flavors, look, smell, mouthfeel, all these different things that is going to give you an experience like you're eating an 850 to 900 calorie meal, that's the win. Because it's like, oh my gosh, now, now we're at a calorie deficit. I feel like I'm eating more. I don't feel like I have this psychological, you know, craving or need or emotional craving for that hamburger because I'm eating this delicious meal over here that's satisfying me. 
like significantly satisfying me. So that's, that's the name of the game right there. Yeah. Really, when it comes and and that's nutrition is it when it comes to weight loss, that is and I'm going to throw a number on here and I'm again this is an it's just a random number but that's eighty to ninety percent of the battle right there. Well, um, let's switch gears a little bit and uh, have some fun as we like to do on this yeah. podcast. Now, you got two choices. I've got I've got dumb debates or I've got would you rather. So we can either sit here and debate the stupidest things on planet <laughs> Earth, or we can play would you rather, which we've done a couple of times already. Um, let's, uh, <laughs> go with your gut. I, I go know. with your gut. Don't go with science. I was going to say, let's debate stupid stuff. Okay. I like it. I like it. It's a, it's an interesting but topic. Nothing controversial. It's absolutely nothing co- controversial. All right. Um, okay. So, so do you, do we have to both take different sides? No, no, not at all. Oh, okay. I just, it's rather like a, like an opinion on it and well, we'll mm. see how it goes. Okay. So here's mm-hmm. the, here's the first debate. The first dumb debate. Okay. Can you cry underwater? <laughs> 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 I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say yes, yes too, I right? Think you, I think I, I think I probably have. I think I've cried in that hot tub a few times, actually. Yeah, but under the water, <laughs> under the water. Yeah, you know what? Here's the hard part because you can't, <gasps> you can't suck <gasps> in. No, you can't. So maybe you can tear up underwater. You know what? You can tear up underwater, and you could definitely do one convulsion. Yeah, but the moment that you just have to inhale. Yeah, game over. So maybe we've decided you can't cry underwater. I don't, I don't think you can, actually. You could tear up. Yes. And you could probably have that first big exhale, the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then right after that comes the... <laughs> and which if you do so that, I, you're dead. You're out of water. So you're right. So debate number one, okay. we can't cry underwater. I, do, I don't think you can. If you guys disagree, you can let us know. Yes. Here's the second dumb debate. <laughs> That's amazing. I've never heard that. I'm going to ask my kids that today. It's a great question, I'm isn't let it? Them think about it. Yeah. Why is a boxing ring square? Uh, that, that's a good question. I don't know that. Dumb one. debates. Dumb debates. Yes. yes. Why do you think it is? What you do, know, what's I the history? I don't know why it would be that way either. It would seem to me like I, one of the reasons I like UFC is it's that octagon and that 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 shape, that circular motion lends itself to sort of walking, you know, and yeah. keeping a, a motion going. Yeah. And the square, I, I'm not really sure. No, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's more overthinking this. And it's just because that's that's what people associate the boxing and the wrestling ring. Right. And that's the end of the story. Maybe, yeah, maybe the in the the first quote unquote ring that was set up was actually a box and they just kept it. Or maybe it's because you have to have two sides and it was a way for them to actually be able to identify where the red corner was and the blue corner was. That's I don't a know. Good, that's a good call. Perhaps. Because yeah. they say like get into your corner. That's it. These yeah. are dumb debates. See, they're meant to be stupid. So yeah. if anybody thinks this is dumb, you're right on par with us. Or if you know the history behind this, I, I'm curious. I wanted to ask Matt this and I and I, I, I just didn't get to it, but one of the dumb debates on here is why is vanilla ice cream white but vanilla extract is brown? Oh. Matt might have been a good person to hit that way. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm sure I'm not sure the compound is do they but here's the thing, like in like shilling uh vanilla ex- extract, do they use caramel color to actually turn it brown? Maybe I'll bet they do. We seem to have climbed in over our heads. Yes, yes. This is above our pay grade <laughs> yeah, on this last question. Yes. <laughs> so true. Let's stick with what we know that's, here. That's a slippery slope. Right oh there. my God. All right. There's two <laughs> last things that we want to cover on our podcast before we go. I've got an ask the show question, which is a little bit more about relationships. I want to have a quick discussion about move 1 million. Um, but maybe let's hash out really quick mindset to the gym. 
Yes. Uh, because it's really important to get your head right before you even walk into where you're going to go and work out. And I just read this incredible article, maybe it was last week or two weeks ago, about the mind-muscle connection yeah. and how important it is when you're on a machine and you're doing like a bicep curl to really like be thinking about all the fibers in the muscle as they're lifting the weight and to make that complete mind-body connection. That's just one yes. piece of mindset. But talk to me about how you view it. That is a very, very real thing, by the way. It is. Um, yes. And, and the, more, the more seasoned you become lifting, here's the thing. I, I encourage everybody to learn this early on. Um, but you, and, and it takes some time. It takes time because most people, when they really start, when they start working out and putting their body under tension and creating like resistance and taking it through a range of motion, it's a learning experience. And, you, so you, it, and it takes a lot to, to develop that body awareness. But it's a beautiful, for me, every time I walk in the gym, it's a journey of discovery. And, and there's, here's the thing, believe it or not, I just came from Virginia. I was working with two of our challenge winners and, and it was so, I, I love getting back to my roots here because I, so, I get so excited in the gym because I love to give people an experience that's out, that's a little bit unorthodox that they just don't think about. Cause you think about going into a gym and throwing a bunch of weights around and, right. you know, grunting and doing all this. And it's just, it's not like that at all. It's a practice when you walk in there. And what I like to do, and there's, there's an exercise that I call separate and celebrate. And so I love to put people on a machine and oddly enough, there's, there's also, there's a whole thought process of like, you don't have any business lifting a weight until you can control your own body weight and understanding the biomechanics there. And I get that to a certain extent when it comes to creating the foundations, but there's also creating that body awareness of what's the muscle like when, when you put your muscle under tension and also your breathing has everything to do with this, this experience. And so here's what, what we do. Um, in order to help people find their, their outer limits, because intensity is so wildly important in creating the stimulus to get the results that we're looking for, okay. strength, size, you know, et cetera. And so um, in order to do this, though, there's, here's what we do. And it's, it, might, it's, it's, it might be a little difficult to talk about that rather than to actually show you a demonstration. But okay. typically, I'll, I'll grab a selectorized piece of equipment, so just a machine, and say it's just a bicep curl. And so I love for the individual to then put the muscle under tension and just hold it and feel the bicep firing, feel it under tension. And say, slow, I'm just going to count to four, and you're going to slowly curl that all the way up, and you're going to feel that bicep contracting to the top. And now I'm going to count to four all the way down. And so they can start to feel that mind-muscle connection. Awesome. And then they go nice awesome. and slow and controlled, which is huge. Then I do something that's very different. So you slap them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it depends. Yeah, right. And who it is. <laughs> if I have to, yeah. And then what I do is I say, now speed up that tempo. Let's go one, two, three, down, two, three, up, two, three, down, two, three. Now, as we're doing that, I'm going to have you take a huge, deep breath that's a, that, at a totally different tempo from what your body is moving at. When you put your body in motion, you don't have to think about it anymore. Your body will actually naturally go. So you just go one, two, three, down, two. Two, three. Yeah, and I can see they're not equal to each other. I might be doing three and a half reps while I'm inhaling and three and a half reps while I'm exhaling, but you separate, you separate the breathing and the tempo. 
And then as we go through that, I say, now uh, over time, you're going to start to feel just all I want you to do is focus on your breathing. Keep the air pump. The air is always flowing in or out. I don't I struggle care. with that when I work out. Exactly. And this is where a lot of people stop short. And this completely takes away any fear of lifting. It changes people's perspective like that. It's the coolest thing in the world. So I say, now, as we're going through this, you're going to start to feel a burn build up in that muscle. That burn that's building up is lactic acid. As lactic acid goes up, the pH of the muscle goes down. When the pH of the muscle reaches a certain point, the electrical signal can't go through anymore and the muscle will literally stop. So I want you to keep breathing and keep that muscle in motion until you're going to feel that burn start building up. And the burn starts building up. That's a beautiful thing. Embrace that burn. It's supposed to happen. Now I want you to keep going till your mind says go and your muscle says no. And that's where we actually teach people how to find the intensity that they need. And so they're like, okay, it's burning. Okay. I said, good. Keep at it. Now keep breathing. No matter what, keep breathing, keep breathing. Oh my gosh, it's getting there. It's getting there. And before you know it, they reach the point where they're like, you just can't, they're shaking. Yes. Yeah. And because the electrical signal, it can, it cannot fire into that muscle anymore because the pH has dropped so much inside that muscle. It literally stops it. And they're like, I'm there. And I said, yes, you're finally there. You reach your outer limits. You just found your limit. That's a, what a beautiful thing. And the whole time that they were breathing, now here's the thing. What happens typically when we lift and you start to feel discomfort in the muscle, what's the first thing you do? People go, <gasps> and they hold their breath. And they hold their breath. And innately and, and subconsciously, there's a fear of suffocation that actually comes along with that. And so everyone, and then- as <laughs> You're like in my head right and now. And as soon as they put the weight down, they're all lightheaded and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their blood, They held their breath and their blood pressure went through the roof and they put the, the weight down two reps shy of where they, what they were actually capable of doing. Where the hell were you 30 years ago for Bro, me? it's the coolest <laughs> thing. I literally just took a 71-year-old woman through this and she was a rock star. She already had a foundation with weightlifting and I showed her this. She goes- why didn't I know this 50 years ago? I know. And I was like, isn't that something? She goes, I just did more than I ever thought I could ever do. And it wasn't bad. And it was, it was enjoyable. And I was like, yes, wasn't that something? It's a practice. It's a, every, every set is a journey of discovery. And the whole thing is freeing, separating your breath from your body. It's like separating the mind and the machine. And so I'm sorry, I started to geek out on this stuff, but man, like Bro, I, I'm enthralled by it. I get in there and the, the moment the set begins, I, it, the challenge is the separation because as, as you start to fatigue your body, the machine starts to, it tries to grab your breath and it tries to make you hold your breath. And it's a challenge to keep that breath free. You have to keep your mind separate from the machine and you're the boss and you tell it what to do. And when you do that, you take the machine until the machine can't go anymore. You won the mind won, and you conquer this set and you, and you're body, you actually created a stimulus that your body has not seen before. And that's like, that's the kind of stimulus that's going to get you incredible results. But at the same time, you're not scared of the gym anymore. Isn't that wild? It's, it's a game changer for me because now when I'm in the gym and I think just like everybody else listening, I'm going to go into that gym and I'm going to be focused on my breath now. Counter, counter breath, not your reps. Yeah. That's my challenge to you guys. Control your breathing. Air is always flowing in or out slowly. Control it. Keep your breathing. So it's yoga with weights. That's what I'm going to say. So what about like when you get a little out of breath because you're working out? So then is the idea to stay, to try to stay calm or should you embrace the intensity a little bit? It's, it's okay. That's a different kind of training though. Okay. So this, I'm talking about training, like creating, setting foundations for body awareness and finding intensity for hypertrophy, which is going to be developing muscle shape and size 
also to a certain extent, you'll get some strength out of that. You'll get some, you'll get some muscular endurance, but if you're training for strength and power and stamina, that's, it's all, that's very, very different, but I love to take people through. This is, this is the kind of training that I would do. If your sole goal is weight loss and creating a beautiful shape to your body, this is the kind of training we like to do. If it's strength training, well, then there, there's actually a purpose behind what's called the Valsalva maneuver where you go, and then you, then you generate all your force or power training, right? You have, to, you have to hold your breath because you actually have to create that intravisceral pressure to stabilize your spine. So it's like, it's a very different thing. Or if you're training for stamina, it's like, man, you're, and work capacity, you're going to be... <laughs> <laughs> you know what you're doing burpees. And that's okay. Yeah, you're doing your high knees and your burpees, a very different kind. But I love to take anyone who's just who's new to the gym, who's scared of of weight, who doesn't understand or, or they have no body awareness. Or just hasn't got a good experience today. I love it. I think everybody should go through it. And it's a really, it's a wild eye-opening experience. And it's a tool that you could use for the rest of your life. You do it once, you'll have it forever. Bro, you got plugged in on flavor today. You got plugged in on how to breathe when you're at the gym today. We covered a lot. We covered we some miles today. We did cover That's a lot sure. today. And we're not done yet. I, uh, we always like to end with uh, something a little bit more thoughtful. Talk to me about Move One Million. Where are we at? Where are we going? Oh, what man. do you need from people? I'm How can they help? So, oh, I appreciate that. I'm so excited. So Move One Million, that's that's the nonprofit that I started. And it's bringing movement and mindfulness to the world. And it's really, it's it's caught a lot of traction in schools. And so we're back in school season. So, I mean, we're in all the Mesa Public School Districts. We're talking to Glendale. We're uh, actually, we're talking to a handful of the different municipalities, the cities around the state. Um, and so it's just a lot of fun. And, you know, I'm just any support that we can possibly get, it's always greatly appreciated. M1M.org. And again, if you just check it out, first of all, and if it resonates with you, you know, we do, we, we work with donations and so that it keeps everything going for the technology to keep bringing movement and mindfulness to our kids in schools. I think let's keep it going. There's so many people who work in schools and might be able to escalate this conversation for move 1 million and bring these folks in and get this kind of movement in your schools. It'll yes. transform everybody. At two and a half minutes. We're ready to serve every school out there. And that, that's already, it's being practiced in 71 countries around the world. They actually lit up Niagara Falls in gold because the city of Niagara Falls adopted Move One Million and so get out of here dude look at you man that's awesome you know so it's amazing especially it's a a massive hit in in grades K through 6 and these kids like you know after the Pledge of Allegiance or something they all remain standing and they do Move One Million so they do two and a half minutes of movement and while their body their nervous system is excited then we take them right into a mindfulness exercise and we found that movement before mindfulness is even more uh, impactful at reducing anxiety depression all kinds of uh, stress mental health issues and so it's been a, a beautiful thing. And we, we finish it off with positive affirmations. You're loved, you're powerful. You can do anything you set your mind to. I needed that. Another great episode today, Chris. Nice job. Oh, likewise, my friend. I needed that as well. Man. I always do. Me too. <laughs> so we're back next week. I can't believe it. It's episode number five. We're going to break down a couple of things like good teams versus great teams and week one action plans. But you really want to lean into what? I want to lean into something that we all do on a regular basis. And that is like, that's when you wake up or you're cruising through your day and like, uh, I just do not want to work out. I do not want to do this, but 
we're going to talk about number one, how important it is that you do and the, the baby steps that you can take to get there. Because no matter what, it's so important that we see that commitment through on a regular basis. And I promise you guys, it's not as hard as you think it is. All it's right. so easy. Join us next week for I Needed That episode number five. A reminder that you can find me online at learnfrompeoplewholivedit.com. You'll find Chris at chrispowell.com. That's where you can link to just about everything that's going on, including the app, which is out, which is updated, which is beautiful. There's a oh, lot of great things there, man. It's so special, man. isn't it? I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm loving the community. Everyone's, everyone, they're getting it. This is so amazing. Lives are transforming. Good for you, man. See you guys next week.